one of the big stories from uh, late yesterday afternoon is the release of a report related to the parole board under former governor Ralph Northam. And you remember, this was a big issue here on WRVA. For me in the morning, um, I, I pressed Brian Moran, the, the then Secretary of Public Safety. Uh, now, to his credit, he came on every week. He did not miss a week. He was very, uh, and, and I'm sure there were a lot of people in the governor's office who were saying, why are you talking to the Republicans on WRVA? And he was still man enough to come on and I think takes some tough questions. And then, of course, Jeff Katz was berserk about this, understandably so, when they released, the parole board released a cop killer into our community. And I kept looking at it thinking, all right, are you saying he didn't kill the police officer and you now have evidence that he was wrongly convicted? That wasn't the deal here. They just decided they're going to release the guy. And that struck me as just shocking knowing how in Virginia, I mean, even if you're not for the death penalty, you usually want to lock up the guys who've who've harmed a police officer. I mean, a murder, for God's sake. Uh, Jason Mioris, the Attorney General, is up early with us this morning, and he joins us now to talk about the parole board report. And, Mr. Attorney General, I appreciate you coming on. Can you walk through the top-line findings here and your conclusions? And good morning. Yeah, great to be with you. I mean, listen, this actually kind of burst in the public view, as you know, in the spring of 2020 with right. the Vincent Martin case, it, it ballooned with some additional public reports. Obviously, one of the big things that both I ran on and the governor, Duncan, ran on is ending a, a criminal first victim last mindset in Richmond. And candidly, uh, my team did a very, very thorough job, but it was more shocking and more disturbing than I, than I think we realized until we began to dig. Uh, we saw a wholesale systematic violation of our Virginia's victim contact statute, which is before you um, release these individuals, you got to contact the victims. We saw at least over 80 different times where they did not endeavor to try to contact the victims before releasing um, some of the very, very worst. Uh, 134 uh, felons were released from prison early. But these were these were the opposite of what you think nonviolent felons. 130 out of the 134 classified as violent felons. These mm. are murderers. These are rapists. These are armed robbers. Um, we saw a wholesale violation notifying your local Commonwealth attorney prior to the release of these individuals. You're supposed to go back to the prosecutors that prosecuted these individuals. We found at least 66 different times in just a two month period where they failed to notify uh, the the Commonwealth. Attorney. Then we found on top of the 134 uh, violent inmates they released early back into our neighborhoods and our community, uh, we saw 137 times where they just systematically decided to end the parole officer supervision of those that had been released. These, these are there to safeguard the community. They check in with the uh, recently released inmate. They're making sure they're not on drugs. They're not uh, abusing alcohol. They're actively seeking work. To be released from the supervision, you have to be under supervised for five years. You have to get signed off by the parole officer. The parole officer has to essentially say, yes, they no longer need uh, supervision. Mm -hmm. uh, we found um, uh, just a unilateral discharge of violent offenders from parole supervision. And then we found at least three cases where there is uh, uh, evidence of falsification of board records where 
claimed that parole officers said this person is, is ready to go and you can release them early from supervision where they was falsified. And so, uh, which is a class one misdemeanor punishable up to 12 months in jail. But the statute of limitation on that is a year. And uh, the reality is, is that a previous governor and a previous attorney general could have found this. They could have investigated it. This became public in the spring of 2020. They could have determined what was going on, and they made a conscious decision not to. And there's a complete lack of will. Well, one thing we know about Governor Yunkin is he has plenty of will, and he absolutely, within an hour of taking office, authorized our investigation. It's incredibly frustrating. And what's even most painful, John, is the number of Virginians that got hurt by these violent offenders, the, the hundred. You had people like Cordell Reed, who had was in jail for murder. He he'd already been paroled before. He was in prison for multiple assaults and robberies. He gets out. He murders uh, somebody. He is sentenced to prison. He gets out, released early by this parole board. Just forty four days after his release in Colonial Heights, he was arrested for then in Colonial Heights. Uh, you had the towel rapist. Adrian Bennett uh, led the effort to get this person released only by a miracle. Did the Norfolk uh, authorities notify them not to release him because he was actually wanted on a different rape charge? Otherwise, you had Charles Shepard, who was committed to uh, convicted of two armed robberies and raped a woman in front of her husband while holding a gun to their three-year-old child. This person was in prison. While he was in prison, he was convicted of sexual battery and sodomizing a fellow inmate. He was classified as a sexually violent predator under Virginia law. They voted to release him. And um, uh, and it's just simply stunning that these are the type of people that they decided to let out. And then finally, uh, one that I that became on my radar is a candidate, David Simpkins. He had 42 prior, prior felonies, including sexual violent offenses and armed robberies. Uh, 42 prior felonies on his record. He gets released. And within a year, he has committed 15 violent felonies. In, in, in not even a year after he was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, innocent Virginia. This endangered the, the actions of the parole board, endangered every Virginian in every community. And I cannot think of the horror these victims have felt that felt voiceless because they were victimized. They, they were only guilty of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then to realize with their horror that the person that has brought so much pain in their life should have been behind bars, but was released yeah. because of the efforts led by Adrian Bennett. It was beyond infuriating to discover this. I'm very proud of the work that my team has done uncovering this. Um, and, you know, now the, Do, now the decisions as far as uh, Bennett's going to be at the general assembly hands. Yeah. We're talking to Jason Miaras, the attorney general of Virginia, on his parole board report from the era of, uh, I'll just say, a disgraced governor, Ralph Northam, and, um, and during COVID and, and some of the bad behavior. What I don't understand, Jason, is... Do we know why they made this judgment? I mean, look, you're you're a law and order Republican, and you're going to look at things differently than Mark Herring, your predecessor in this office. I get it, and and we're just going to. Uh, I'm sure we're all just going to disagree, Republican and Democrat. But this just seems so over the line. Do we know why they did this? What am I missing? Reasonable people don't make these types of judgments. I don't think. Uh, I think it is one thing you and I have talked about before, that one of the worst things in government is policymakers assuming just because they have good intentions, they will guarantee good results. Mm -hmm. 
uh, clearly what their intention was, they felt these people were, were uh, needed to be released to society. Uh, I can't read their mind. Unfortunately, all of Adrian Bennett's uh, emails were deleted. So we had to reconstruct. We were able to recover some from the emails sent to other individuals, but her, mm-hmm. her email account was deleted. So I can't claim that I know exactly what was in their mind other than I'm sure it was probably in the of attention, but that's not how we measure. Yeah. I mean, no private sector, no nobody in a sports team, nobody in the military could get away saying, I just met well. Right, they, yeah. the, the reality is you have to judge it by the results. The results were Virginians were endangered. The results were innocent Virginians had their lives turned upside down yeah. by violent predators that got released early, and they should have never, never have been back on the street. Right. And then what's worse is the statute of limitations have run out solely and totally because our previous governor uh, and our previous uh, my predecessor in the attorney general's office lacked the will to investigate and to push hard. Well, that was one of my questions. To hold people accountable because I couldn't find that in the stories today. When did the uh, statute of limitations expire? Uh, uh, the, these actions happened in the spring of 2020, and so mm-hmm. they would have expired in the spring of 2021. Oh, and okay. so, and and you know, the Vincent Martin story broke uh, in in uh, early spring of 2020. Uh, we had over a year. You had over a year for, for Governor Northam and, and my predecessor to ask these hard questions. Um, just walked. And, and that's yeah. part of what's frustrating. And so, and, and then, and you know, obviously yeah. now the pro board, the former pro board chair, Judge Bennett, is now uh, is now on the bench. And um, you know, the, the General Assembly has to decide whether they want somebody that uh, uh, did uh, all this. By all our, yeah. did all this, and, and even worse, we know her first. When she was on the bench, even when she was on the bench, she was still emailing communication back to the parole board, trying to secure the release of of uh, of inmates. Yeah, and, and other actions. They, and, and you know, look, we're going to disagree of, on of the variety. decisions, but they just lied about this stuff. I remember talking to Brian Moran about this, and I yeah. now can you tell me uh, Brian Moran's role? in this it seemed like you were saying that he kind of put the kibosh on some of the bad behavior is that accurate yeah i mean secretary moraine clearly felt troubled uh he was very cooperative with our interview with our teams uh and and i want to commend him for his transparency with with our investigators right um he didn't try to hide anything and i appreciate that and and one of the most telling things is that adrian bennett um wanted to reinterpret virginia's three strike laws to make it very, very, make it much more liberal and easier for people to get released early. And, and he said, and Secretary Moran said, no, you Good. can't do that. Uh, if you want to have that interpretation, it has to be a legislative change. Good for There him. was an attempt of legislative change by uh, Senator Scott Sorbel, a Democrat from Northern Virginia, and the bill died and never went anywhere. But regardless, That's even though her yeah. Secretary Moran told her no, and the bill died. She decided to reinterpret the three strikes law anyway and let these people out on the, on a basis that she was told she didn't have the authority to do. Well, there's a lot so, here, and I'm so thankful you illuminated it. I've got to run, but I appreciate your time this morning. This is really always. important. Thank Jason Miaris, the Thank Attorney you. General of Virginia.